Remain standing in honor of God's Word. We're continuing on through the book of Philippians, and this morning we'll look at, or excuse me, Philippians, <laughs> Proverbs. You're like, where is he? Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. I was waiting for somebody to correct me. No, we're in Proverbs. <laughs> so Proverbs chapter 8. Eight, beginning at verse 1. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative word. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who has understanding. And write to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers dec decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is noble true and righteous. As we seek after wisdom from the book of Proverbs, we ask that we will find it so that we can apply it to our lives, which in turn will bring glory to your name and blessings to your people. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we're beginning with chapter 8. Uh, but what I'd like to do is back up a little bit and look at the ending of chapter 7. And the reason why I want to do that is because I want you to see that the author, Solomon, is making a deliberate contrast between Lady Wisdom on the one hand and Lady Folly on the other hand. Our chapter is looking at Lady Wisdom, uh, but in the previous chapter we looked at Lady Folly. So if you'll back up just a little bit, Proverbs 8, verse or excuse me, Proverbs 7, verse 18. This is Lady Folly speaking after she's trying to seduce people. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. 
Let us delight ourselves with love. And then verse 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth tongue, she compels him. And then verse 24 to the end of the chapter. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. And then chapter 8. Does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. So Lady Folly is crying out, trying to seduce people. But on the other hand, Lady Wisdom also is calling out and pleading with people to listen to her. And the question to all of us is, which voice will we listen to? Which voice will we listen to? We find the same theme in the next chapter, Proverbs 9, if you want to turn ahead. Verse 1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. And then we see that Lady Folly has done the same thing, 13 and 14. The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the heights, or excuse me, on the highest places of the town. So both these ladies are in their house. And then in verse 4, Lady Wisdom says, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks scent, she says. And then we'll see that in a moment. But look at verse 16. Now we're switching back to Lady Folly. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks scent, she says. Notice the exact same thing. They are both crying out, pleading for people to pay attention. But there's two drastically different results. Verse 5, Lady Wisdom says, Come, eat my bread, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. On the other hand, Lady Folly, verse 17, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there. Following Lady Wisdom and listening to her gives life. Following Lady Folly and listening to her brings death. So once again, the obvious question is, which voice are we going to listen to? Now, in chapter 8, Solomon is instructing his son and through him all of God's people. And he wants us to make a wise decision. And he is trying to persuade all of us to choose Lady Wisdom. And he's going to answer three questions, if you're taking notes. Why we should respond to wisdom. Why we should listen to wisdom. And why we should choose wisdom. Why we should respond to wisdom, why we should listen to wisdom, why we should choose wisdom. So let's begin with why we should respond to wisdom. Now, we need to respond to Lady Wisdom because of what she offers. 
But first, let's see that she is doing everything in her power to get our attention. Verse 1 again. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? <laughs> Can you hear me now? She's trying to be heard over the crowds. I think of a vendor at a sporting event. Hot dogs, hot dogs. He wants everybody to hear him. Lady Wisdom is raising her voice, calling out so that anybody and everybody can hear what she is saying. And then verse 2, where is she calling from? On the heights, beside the way. At the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. She is crying out from everywhere. Now, I don't want to get bogged down in all these little descriptions, but the main point is everywhere you go, Lady Wisdom is there, and she is calling out. Now, I need to pause here for a moment and clarify what wisdom is. I've done this in the past, but it's worth reviewing. Um, I've said in the past that wisdom is at least three things. First of all, wisdom is principles to live by. Secondly, not only is it principles to live by, but it's characteristics that guide our lives. It's not just this is what you do, but we have to have certain character traits like humility and gentleness to guide us. And then thirdly, wisdom is also found in the person Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.24 that Christ is the wisdom of God. So lady wisdom here is a type of Jesus Christ. And I'm emphasizing this because when we hear lady wisdom calling out, I don't want you to say to yourself, I wonder who that lady is. I want you to understand very specifically that that is none other than Jesus Christ calling out to you, asking you to listen to him and to receive from him what he is offering to you. Now that raises the question, what exactly is wisdom Jesus Christ offering? Let's look at verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Wisdom is offering prudence and sense. Bruce Wolke translates prudence as shrewdness. But understand that in in a positive sense. Usually that has a negative connotation if we say, wow, he's kind of a shrewd character. But it also can have a positive connotation. And when I thought of prudence and shrewdness, I thought of the parable of the dishonest manager. There was a manager who was dishonest, and he got caught by his boss. I'm going to tell you the parable in updated language. He got caught by his boss for cooking the books. And he knew he was going to be fired. So he thought, oh, no, I'm going to be out of work. I'm going to lose everything. So what he did in his shrewdness is he went to different clients. And he said, hey, what's your bill? $1,000? Hey, tell you what, change it to 500 He went to another person. 
what's your bill? What do you owe my master? I owe the master this. Tell you what, why don't you reduce it about 20%? Wow, thank you. Expecting in return. And if I can ever do you a favor, you just let me know. That'd be wonderful. Sure enough, he gets fired. And this, this is what the master says, and this is what throws people off. But we read this in Luke 16.8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And that's where people say, wait a second, he's commended for being shrewd. He's not commended for being dishonest, a liar, deceitful. He's commended for being shrewd, for thinking of a way of how he could get out of his predicament. And then this is what Jesus says. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus is basically saying, I wish my people would be a little more shrewd in the positive sense of that. So that's, that's prudence. That's shrewdness, knowing a way out of a, a difficult situation. What else is wisdom offering? Sense, which implies what? We're lacking in sense. Or to put it bluntly, as the passage says, it implies that we're fools and we need sense. But wisdom is saying, if you come to me, I'll, I'll give you sense. And here I thought of the parable of the prodigal son. Many of you are familiar with that that parable, a father had a son, and he went to a foreign country, and he squandered all his, his wealth and, and wild living, and he, he didn't have anything. He was living in poverty, and he was feeding pigs because there was nothing left for him to do, which for a Jew is very insulting. And he was in such desperate straits that he was actually longing to eat the food of the pigs. That's how bad his condition was. But then this is what we read. But when he came to himself, some translations say senses. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And his father received him, in case you're wondering the rest of the story. But what's the moral of these two stories? If you listen to wisdom, Jesus Christ, he will give you prudence. He will give you shrewdness in the best possible sense. He will bring you to your senses so that when you're facing a difficult situation, so when a crisis is before you, you think, ah, I know the way out. I know the way through this situation. This is what I'll do. And wisdom will give you that kind of direction if you listen to her. So why should we respond to wisdom? Because of what she offers. Why should we listen to wisdom? That's the second point. Why we sh should we listen to wisdom? Because of what comes out of her mouth. What, what is coming out of her mouth as she speaks? Verses 6 and 8 through 8. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. 
for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. Isn't that wonderful? Wisdom speaks, and what do we hear? Things that are noble, right, true, righteous. We can take that for granted, but we shouldn't. Recently, I was talking to someone, and they, they said, do you know that there are 99 names for Allah? I said, I didn't know that. I looked it up online. Sure enough, 99 names for Allah. This person also said, did you know that one of the names for Allah is deceiver? I said, really? I looked it up. It's often translated planner, but it means a planner who's conniving and deceptive in order to trap people. How wonderful that when God speaks to us, no lying, no deceit, Nothing but the truth. In fact, we're told that when he speaks, nothing's twisted, distorted, or crooked. Lying is an abomination to God. And we can trust him. Sometimes we just open up this book, we read it, we don't have to question if any of it is true, and we just take the effort for granted. We shouldn't. We are blessed to have the truth incarnate in Jesus Christ and have the truth inspired in the pages of Scripture that we can read any and every day. We are a blessed people. Let us not take that for granted. Now, here's the problem with the truth, though, if we're honest. Sometimes it's hard to swallow. <laughs> we, we know it's true, but sometimes it, it can hurt us because it can say, like when it says, you need to be gentle. And we might think, ooh, there were some times this last week when I wasn't quite so gentle. And it, it can hurt a little bit. I remember D.A. Carson saying years ago, and, and I liked his phrase. He said, the word of God stings and it sings. The word of God wounds and it heals. And I thought, that's, that's good. I like that. So maybe sometimes you show up on a Sunday morning, you hear the word of God, and ooh, I got a little, little wound there. But I'm praying that while the word of God will wound you like a doctor, the purpose is not so that you stay wounded, but so that you can get well and so that you can also be healed. And that's how it is with God, because he's the best of all possible doctors. And then verse 9 is, is kind of interesting. They are all straight... To him, not to everybody, to him who understands. And right to those who find knowledge. Have you ever heard people ridicule the scriptures? Mock the scriptures? I have. And here's the irony. They think they're making a commentary on the scriptures when actually the commentary is about themselves. <laughs> if they're mocking the scriptures if they can't see its truth and its purity and its goodness, they're really showing that they are the ones lacking in wisdom and understanding. So why should we respond to wisdom? Because of what she offers. Why should we listen to wisdom? Because her words are all good. Number three, why should we choose wisdom? 
Why should we choose wisdom? The first thing I want you to realize is that everybody makes a choice. Every single one of you will have to make a choice. Look at verses 10 and 11. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you desire cannot compare to her. This word take is an imperative of command. It's not an option. Wolke translates it as choose. Choose. Choose wisdom rather than silver or gold. Now here's something I'd like you to consider. Why would anybody choose wisdom rather than silver or gold? Imagine, imagine standing before an offer and on the one hand is wisdom, God's word, and on the other hand are piles of silver and gold. Why, why would anybody say no to the silver of gold and choose the wisdom? And I want to say to you that I don't think they would, except they fear God. Only a God-fearing person will make the right choice. Look at verses 12 and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. It's kind of interesting. Right in the middle of this passage, we have a statement that says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And it seems out of place. What, what's it doing? It's not out of place. It's reminding us once again that apart from the fear of the Lord, there is no wisdom. You'll recall Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Isn't that interesting? Fools, not, not only do they not choose the wisdom, they despise it. They're, they're given a choice between wisdom and gold. They look at the wisdom, and not only do they not choose, they despise it. Why would I want that? But a person who fears God, meaning you know who God is, you know his power, you know his greatness, you know his love and his goodness, that person will choose wisdom every single time. That, that's why it's there. So we make the right choice. Now, here's the thing. You can, you can have what James calls an earthly wisdom, but that's very different than what God offers, which is heavenly wisdom. And this, this is what we read in James 3, 13 to 17. And, and Michael read from James 3, 13 earlier. Um, so I, I guess God really wants you to hear this verse. <laughs> Because here it is again. Maybe you missed it the first time around. So in case you did, uh, here it is. James 3, beginning at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness or the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good 
fruits. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather live in a home that's characterized by earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom? Would you like to live in a home that's characterized by earthly wisdom, which is selfishness, disorder, every vile practice? Or would you rather grow up in a home that's characterized by peace, gentleness, that's open to reason, that's full of mercy and good fruits? Which house would you rather dwell in? We could ask the same question about where we work, or the neighborhood, or a nation, or the world for that matter. What kind of world would you like to live in? I'd love to live in a world characterized by heavenly wisdom. A world in which it's heaven on earth. Which is what we prayed for early this morning. Thy will be done. In heaven. Or excuse me, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. And for that to happen, we need God's, God's wisdom. Now, let's consider specifically why we should choose wisdom. Verse 14. What does wisdom say? I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Oh, if we had the time, I'd love to comment on every single one of those. But let's let's just consider insight. King James Version translates it understanding. The idea is perceptive insight. There's a situation and people are confused and you know what to do. Imagine somebody involved in a difficult situation to throwing up their hands and saying, ah, it's complicated. And you're saying, well, what's going on? And they tell you what's going on, and you're thinking, no, it's actually not too complicated. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Wisdom can give you that. While everyone's confused and there's a cloud of misunderstanding, you can go right through it and say, no, it actually isn't that difficult. I think many of you had this experience. You're at a grocery store. There's a three- or four-year-old little child. It's, it's just out of control. It's running up and down the aisles. It's grabbing food off the shelves, you know, all over the floor. Mom's trying to get the attention of this child, get this child under control. She can't do it. She's like, oh, exasperated. It's so complicated, raising kids. And you might be thinking to yourself, not really. It's actually pretty straightforward. And if you were really bold, you could say, I got a proverb for you, something you might want to consider. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from this little child out of control. If you're really bold, and here we go, she heard the proverb. <laughs> All right, verse 15. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. Wisdom gives us justice and liberty without having injustice and tyranny. Now, most of you remember that God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he said, ask of me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And he asked for 
Wisdom. But let me put a finer point on it. Why specifically did he ask for wisdom? Raise your hand if you think you know. Here's the answer right here. This is Solomon speaking to the Lord. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? He specifically asked for wisdom so that he could govern the people from the throne in a way that would be pleasing to God and beneficial to the people. And I love this verse. This is a common verse among the elders in our prayer time. Lord, give us wisdom. Who is able to lead this great people of yours? What a wonderful prayer by Solomon. And here's what you need to see. Apart from God, you cannot discern good from evil. In fact, apart from God, there is no such thing as good and evil. Here's, here's what the atheist Richard Dawkins said. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, get this, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. I commend Richard Dawkins for being consistent with his worldview. If there's no God, there is no such thing as good and evil. Those categories don't even exist. Moral absolutes, there is no such thing as moral absolutes. Those categories don't even exist. Pastor uh, Joe Moorcraft tells a story about a young woman who came to his office. She claimed to be a Buddhist who didn't believe in moral absolutes. Moorcraft asked her if she thought child molestation was wrong. She said yes. Moorcraft responded, I believe it is too. But why do you believe it's evil? You don't believe there are any moral absolutes from God. You might, not, you might not like it, but why do you condemn it? That presupposes some rules. Moorcraft says she started to cry. She said she didn't want to live in a world without moral absolutes. Moorcraft responded, you don't. And the same moral absolutes that condemn child molesters also condemns she was convicted of her sin, and she made a profession of faith in Christ. If we're honest, nobody wants to live in a world without moral absolutes. Who wants to live in a land where everybody does what's right in their own eyes? It would be utter chaos. But God has given us moral absolutes, and wisdom gives us the ability to discern between right and and wrong between good and evil. And we have that revelation in God's word. There are many other, other blessings that wisdom gives. 18, just see so you have them before you. 
Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield better than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Oh, the blessings that wisdom wants to bestow upon his people for all who will listen and receive what she is offering. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I want to make sure you don't overlook this promise because I think this is an incredible promise. Verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Isn't that wonderful? Those who seek me diligently find me. So here's the question I have for you. Are you seeking after wisdom? Are you seeking diligently after wisdom? This is an awesome promise if you will seek after wisdom. We find a similar promise in, in James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a, that's a great promise to begin your devotional time with. Imagine you got your Bible, whatever you use, setting aside time to meet with God. Imagine coming before God saying, Lord, I'm getting up early this morning to meet with you. Or Lord, I'm setting aside time in my day to meet with you. I am seeking after wisdom. I am drawing near to me. And as I draw near to you, will you draw near to me? You've promised to draw near to me. So I'm coming. Draw near to me as I seek after you. As diligently as I can. Let me find you. Let me find wisdom. Isn't that wonderful? Are you doing that? Is there something that you could point to in your life? If I were to ask you after the service, don't panic, I won't. But if I were to ask you after the service, are you seeking after wisdom? Are you diligently seeking after wisdom? Is there something that you can point to that would say yes? And here's an indication of it right here. But maybe some of you are being honest this morning and you're saying, I have to be honest, I, I strayed from God. I strayed from wisdom. I, I haven't been. Well, here, here's a wonderful promise for you. Zechariah 1.3. Thus declares the Lord of hosts. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. They're great. We turn away from God. And he says, if you return to me, I'll return to you. It's incredible. So if you've turned away, Pick yourself off. Turn to God. We heard it earlier. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's gentle. He's kind. He's forgiving. And he's promised. He will return to you. It's like he would say, let bygones be bygones. Come to me. I'll return to you. Again, what a, what a wonderful promise that we have before us. This is what wisdom is offering. Are we, are we listening? Are we choosing wisdom? I pray that you are. And as we go forth this week, we have options before us. Let's be deliberate about setting 
It's like time to do that. You know, it's interesting. Ray, Ray Ortland had a good, uh, a good translation of this word, diligent. Um, he said that we can understand diligent as with intentionality, going out of our usual way, breaking with routine. Is there a routine that maybe you could break to, to include this? Going out of our usual way. Sometimes we have to go out of our way. Are you going out of your way deliberately so that you can have wisdom? I wonder if I, if I was to ask this morning, how many of you have ever gone out of your way deliberately so that you can dine at one of your favorite restaurants? <laughs> Most of us would raise, oh yeah, I've done that. Why? Because the food is so good over there. If you'll go out of your way, take time out of your day to enjoy a good dinner, Surely we can take time out of our day to meet with God. And if we do, he's waiting for us. And what blessed gifts he is ready to give to us when we do meet with him. Let's close in prayer. Father, how thankful we are for your word. We're thankful that when it wounds us, it also heals us and puts it back together. Father, we're so thankful for your goodness, your generosity towards us. We thank you for these many promises that we have if we will seek after wisdom. Father, will you enable each one of us by your spirit? We freely confess that our, our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak. So will you empower us to go out of our way to seek after wisdom, to draw near to you. And in return, may we know that you will be true to your word because you do not lie. And we will find you and you will draw near to us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.